the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The House votes to end the COVID public health emergency. Kids are pretty far behind where we would have expected them to be in the absence of the pandemic. Illegal migrants refuse to leave a taxpayer-funded hotel room in New York City. These men who are camped out here in front of the hotel say they just have no interest in being at that location. PayPal to lay off 2,000 workers in the latest tech company to enact job cuts. Just another example of this trend that we continue to see. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, February 1st. I'm Mike Scott. On Tuesday, the House ended the public health emergency related to COVID-19 in a 220 to 210 vote. Republicans and even some House Democrats backed a second bill that would end the government's vaccine mandate for health care workers on a vote of 227 to 203. This comes just one day after the White House announced it would lift the nationwide public health emergency in May. Republicans introduced the bill earlier this month, setting the stage for a largely symbolic vote lawmakers expect to be vetoed by President Joe Biden. The Biden administration has long debated when to end the public health measures, especially as states relaxed their COVID-19 restrictions and federal funding toward the pandemic dwindled. The emergency declaration was first issued in January 2020 by former President Donald Trump and has been continually extended in 90-day increments since then. Republicans have repeatedly criticized the Biden administration for extending the COVID-19 emergency, arguing officials lacked the justification to keep it in place, and Biden has claimed the pandemic is over several times in interviews. The Biden administration's announcement would give health officials just over three months to prepare for the termination of the public health emergency. This is following through with a pledge from the Department of Health and Human Services to notify states at least 60 days in advance. The Biden administration has previously vowed to veto the bill should it be passed through Congress. While the White House did announce that it would terminate the national COVID emergency in May, House Republicans went ahead with the Pandemic is Over Act and the Freedom for Healthcare Workers Act votes. However, the Biden administration has said that they will oppose the Republican attempt to eliminate the vaccination requirement for health care workers, with the president saying he would veto the bill if passed by Congress. The stance taken by the White House has many scratching their heads because Joe Biden himself has said repeatedly, the pandemic is over. The pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing, and I think this is a perfect example of it. This comes on the heels of a new study that now confirms what many had believed. School closures due to the pandemic caused a negative, lasting impact on children's learning. According to the new report released by the scientific journal Nature Human Behavior, 
kids lost about one-third of a normal school year's worth of learning. The deepest impact was felt among students in math and those kids who are from disadvantaged backgrounds. Dan Goldharbor, an educational researcher, joined News Nation and says that the research is pretty clear that children who were locked out of schools due to COVID suffered comparably to children who still had in-person learning. We, uh, we know that the, the lockdowns were harmful because there weren't universal lockdowns um, during parts of the pandemic. And so you can basically look to see what achievement looked like you know, between two different points in time, some of the cases where um, schools were closed or they were closed for in-person instruction and some of the places where they weren't and look at how achievement varied across those two different conditions. Gold Harbor states that data seems to now suggest that school lockdowns caused a tremendous drop in student achievement. So I think that a lot of this is in the eye of the beholder. Um, the, in, in the United States, we've had a, a long-term upward trend in student achievement, but arguably it is uh, too slow over the, a long period of time. Um, and what we saw is with the pandemic that basically student achievement stopped trending upward and had a pretty substantial fall. The education researcher explains how American children are faring compared to students in other countries. American kids have had a long upward trend when you look at the, the nation's report card, NAEP tests, um, but then it's a little bit of a different picture if you look at how American kids are doing relative to kids in other countries. So there are a lot of countries where educational achievement has caught up to where the United States, where the United States was before the pandemic. Uh, of course, um, the United States, when you look back in time, was well in uh, ahead of other countries in terms of educational achievement. So um, it's not so much that American kids know less than they did back in the 1970s or 1980s. It's that other countries appear to have made progress at a faster pace than we have. Gold Harbor explains what he believes can be done to close the education gap that was lost due to the school closures. So I would say the urgency gap is that we know empirically that kids are pretty far behind where we would have expected them to be in the absence of the pandemic. They're, they're roughly three months further behind in, in math and a little bit less so in reading tests than we would expect. And uh, public opinion surveys tend to suggest that parents think that more or less things are back to normal. So I think that's the, that's the urgency problem. Um, the solution, I think, is multifaceted. I mean, I think schools have to be pretty aggressive in terms of um, pandemic recovery interventions, everything from, you know, various ways of getting kids more schooling um, to tutoring and pull out and push in programs to assist them. But the problem is that a lot of those kinds of programs are going to more or less require that families are participating. And so I guess I would worry that if families think that there's nothing wrong, then mm -hmm. with some of those kinds of programs, they may not participate. So summer school is a great example. You know, summer school is more or less voluntary. When kids use various digital tools at home to help assist them and, you know, on-demand tutoring, it's voluntary. So I think that families have to get the message that their kids are not where we would expect them to be in order to participate. 
Research has also suggested that keeping children out of schools also damaged the mental health of students as many suffered from severe depression during COVID lockdowns. President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy are set to meet over the country's debt. Daybreak insider Ed Donahue is on Capitol Hill with the latest on this story. When he was vice president, the president and McCarthy used to talk things over at breakfast at the vice president's home. This meeting at the White House is different. A potential debt crisis is looming. The president's message to the speaker. Show me his budget. McCarthy tells the AP the president has always been a person who would like to try and find solutions, work together. But going into this meeting. The whole government is designed to have compromise. But here's the leader of the free world pounding on a table. Being irresponsible, say, no, 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 just raise the limit, make us spend more. The president calls McCarthy a decent man who is being pulled by demands from restive Republicans. Ed Donahue, Washington. Some illegal migrants are refusing to leave the Watson Hotel in New York City, choosing to sleep on the street in a protest against relocation from their taxpayer-funded hotel rooms to a migrant center in Brooklyn. The nation is still in the midst of a national crisis at the southern border where tens of thousands of illegal immigrants have entered into the U.S. Many of those migrants were bused to New York City who, using taxpayer funds, were given access to free housing at luxury hotels while the city made room at migrant centers for the massive influx of illegal immigrants. However, when the time came to be relocated, many of the migrants, particularly single adult men, simply refused, some of whom say the migrant center they were being sent to was dirty and without food. They claim the location they've been asked to go to is isolated, it's dirty, and it's cramped, and so they say they would much rather be camped out here uh, on the sidewalk than go to that location, and that's what you see behind me. Uh, But earlier this morning, there was a separate group of men uh, who did agree to go to that location in Brooklyn, Uh, and this is video of them leaving the hotel here this morning, the Watson Hotel, uh, on city buses. They will make their way to the Red Hook section of Brooklyn, where they have agreed again to stay in a city-provided facility. But these men who are camped out here in front of the hotel say they just have no interest in being at that location, so they have chosen to stay out here uh, in the cold weather. Responding to the accusations, New York City Mayor Eric Adams inspected the facility himself and says it's perfectly fine. I just had to come here when I started hearing all the rumors about it was too cold. Uh, my brother got on shorts. So he's inside. It's warm inside. Uh, about uh, the food not being there. Uh, you know, healthy food is presence. Even the snacks are healthy. We just need to stop the anxiety. When I spoke to the men who are here, they shared the same energy. We want to come here. We want to work. We want to pursue the American dream. We're thankful to the people of New York City. As of Tuesday morning, the group of migrants was still camped outside the hotel, according to several local news reports. This comes as DHS has announced that it will no longer prevent Border Patrol agents from testifying at an upcoming House Oversight Committee, a hearing that is being put together on the border crisis. Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina joined the Salem Radio Network and says that 
With all the danger that cartels bring across the southern border from drugs to human smuggling, it's time to label them as terrorist organizations. The threat level is high, right? Yes. Uh, The fentanyl coming across the border from Mexico, 14,000 pounds, enough to kill every man, woman, and child on the planet, pretty much. Uh, The flow of foreign terrorists coming uh, across the U.S.-Mexican border is real. So the national security threat uh, is real. The threat to uh, order in America is real. So I think the threat level justifies making cartels foreign terrorist organization. And once you become a foreign terrorist organization, then you're just one step away. Well, how do you counter it? So the best outcome is to collaborate with the Mexican government to get a control over this. But I think it's now time for the United States to look at the threats emanating from Mexico with new tools in the toolbox. Graham goes on to explain why he believes labeling drug cartels terrorist agents must be done. Are certain drug cartels basically a terrorist threat by allowing, you know, the drugs to come in? Um, you know, what's the threat level? Designate certain groups as a foreign terrorist organization. Once you do that, then you are set the predicate for using whatever force law enforcement-wise, military force as a last resort to protect the homeland. The goal is to protect the homeland. And the question for our Mexican friends, are you a threat by the way you govern your country to our homeland? The answer is yes. The House Oversight Committee on the Southern Border is part of the House GOP's efforts to investigate DHS and its top leaders for overseeing the border crisis that began when Joe Biden became president. The hearing is set to take place on February 7. Embattled Republican Congressman George Santos of New York is temporarily stepping away from two congressional committees. Daybreak Insider's White House correspondent Greg Clugston has more on this developing story. A day after meeting with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Santos told GOP colleagues he would not serve on his two assigned committees amid ongoing ethics questions. He has faced numerous calls for his resignation and is facing multiple investigations by prosecutors over his personal and campaign finances and lies about his resume and family background. Republican Tom Cole of Oklahoma said the decision was well received from the GOP conference, saying, I think it was the appropriate thing to do. Greg Clugston, Washington. On Tuesday, PayPal. The online money service announced that it plans to lay off 2,000 workers or about 7% of its workforce. PayPal becomes the latest Bay Area tech firm to announce layoffs. The San Jose-based company says it will trim about 7% of its total workforce or about 2,000 full-time workers. PayPal says it will make reductions over several weeks with some organizations affecting more than others. PayPal is the parent of digital payment companies, including Venmo and Braintree. In the past month, Google, Microsoft, Intel, and Salesforce have also announced layoffs. The CEO, Dan Schulman, released a statement that read, in part, PayPal is working to address the challenging macroeconomic environment. Yahoo Finance reporter Ali Canal says that investors shouldn't be fooled by PayPal's buoyant stock. 
Just another example of this trend that we continue to see, PayPal confirming that 7% reduction in staff, which translates to roughly 2,000 employees, and the cuts will take place over the coming weeks. Now, shares of PayPal did touch session highs on the heels of this news, climbing as much as 3.5%. Shares are currently up about 2% at the moment. But like I said, we've seen this story before, a surge in layoffs after a period of really high personnel spend, heavy investments during the pandemic. So that's trend number one surrounding this earnings season. Canal goes on to explain how the economy is affecting and buying and in turn impacting tech companies like PayPal. Trend number two is that unfavorable macro environment, a hawkish Fed, a pullback in spending, and probably most important heading into this week in particular, that advertising slowdown still very much in the background. We've heard from several companies that advertising is still an up and down story. Spotify saying this morning the ad market is still uncertain. And coupled with that, Cowan actually published a survey earlier this month that showed online ad buyers expect their spending in 2023 to rise just 3.3%, which is the softest ad growth outlook in five years. So for companies like Snap, companies like Google, whose businesses really rely on advertising, that ain't good. And that's just a trend that's weighing on earnings, weighing on guidance moving forward in the tech industry. The company's job cuts are just the latest round of layoffs in the tech industry. Workday announced plans to cut 525 jobs. Google plans to cut more than 12,000 jobs, and Microsoft is looking to eliminate 10,000 workers. There is now a new probe into complaints of parts flying off Ford Explorers. Daybreak Insider's Lisa Dwyer has more on this story. The U.S. government's road safety agency is investigating complaints that windshield trim panels can fly off of Ford Explorers while they're traveling at highway speeds. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says it has 164 complaints about the trim pieces detaching on 2011 through 2019 Explorer SUVs. The probe covers about 1.86 million vehicles. The parts could hit the windshield of following vehicles or even a motorcycle rider, possibly causing loss of control and a crash, although currently the agency does not have any reports of crashes or injuries. I'm Lisa Dwyer. Actor Alec Baldwin and a crew member have been formally charged with involuntary manslaughter for the shooting death of a cinematographer on a movie set outside Santa Fe, New Mexico in 2021. Daybreak Insider Entertainment correspondent Margie Zaroleta has more on the developing investigation. Santa Fe District Attorney Mary Carmack Altuis has filed the documents that charge Alec Baldwin and weapons specialist Hannah Gutierrez-Reed in the death of Helena Hutchins on the set of the movie Rust. Baldwin had pointed a gun at Hutchins while rehearsing a scene when the gun discharged. Baldwin's attorney, Luke Nikas, declined comment and referred to a previous statement in which he calls the charges a terrible miscarriage of justice. Baldwin and Gutierrez-Reed will be issued a summons to appear in court. I'm Archie Zaroleta. And finally, a new day is a dawning for Shirley Feeney. And Laverne, when the fur starts to fly, you just stand behind me. I am going to make Gloria Lupitz rule the day she was ever born. The actress best known for playing Shirley Feeney on the sitcom Laverne and Shirley, actress Cindy Williams, has died. 
According to her family, who released a statement, Williams passed away after a bout with a short illness. Their statement read in part, The passing of our kind, hilarious mother, Cindy Williams, has brought us insurmountable sadness that could never be truly expressed. Knowing and loving her has been our joy and privilege. She was one of a kind, beautiful, generous, and possessed a brilliant sense of humor and a glittering spirit that everyone loved. They were the roommates who worked at a Milwaukee beer bottling plant, making millions laugh. It's dynamite. That good, huh? Laverne and Shirley, their characters, household names. Don't start with me now. Penny Marshall as Laverne DeFazio, Cindy Williams as Shirley Feeney. To have a good time, a few laughs, and a little vodio do do I don't vodio do do But even before that, Cindy Williams in dramatic roles, opposite Ron Howard and George Lucas's American Graffiti. I asked you out. Actor Ron Howard tweeting after news of Williams' passing, lucky me. She was also in Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation. You see him but it was her guest star role on Happy Days. Nice to meet you, Richie. My pleasure. That would launch that show, Laverne and Shirley, in 1976. What do you suggest I do? Flap my arms real hard and head toward the window? <laughs> well, just try to get to the door. <laughs> By its third season, Laverne and Shirley was the most watched show in America. Tonight here, Cindy Williams in her own words on her lifelong friendship with Penny Marshall. She's just an all-time great friend without getting too sentimental. She's like a witness to my life. Sometimes I don't want her to be. He's got high apple pie in the sky. I hope so many Everyone watched every week, Laverne and Shirley. While Williams had screen credits that spanned nearly 60 years, it was her stint on the sitcom Happy Days that launched her into stardom, which was soon followed up with a starring role in the sitcom Laverne and Shirley. That made her a household name. The sitcom, which lasted eight seasons between 1976 and 1983, had Williams starring opposite the late Penny Marshall as one of a half of a dynamic duel whose adventures in Milwaukee powered the show. Laverne and Shirley earned six Golden Globe nominations, including two for Best Comedy Series and one for Williams in the Best Actress in a Comedy category. But Williams had a large presence off the television screen and on the silver screen. She appeared in several standout films, such as George Lucas's 1973 film American Graffiti and The Conversation from director Francis Ford Coppola in 1974. Cindy Williams is survived by her children, Zach and Emily Hudson. Williams was 75.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.